1: This is Everything Elite, presented by my bookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my brother, Slapjack, a.k.a. Nate, a.k.a. Epidysis. <laughs> What's up, Nate?
2: What's up, brother T-Bar? <laughs> uh... Here I am, uh about to retribute some stuff. <laughs> that's what's going on. Uh, I, you know, I hope nobody mocks you or I'll have to get mad. Uh that's that's all my slapjack knowledge.
1: Okay. Well, otherwise, how are you? In your um, non-slapjack uh perspective.
2: Doing all right. Uh you know, pretty hopped up on DayQuil at the moment. So I'm right in that initial rush. Uh, we'll see how that uh you know peters out through the rest of the show here. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing okay. Had hell day, but I'm coming back. Had a leak in the basement, folks. Oh, no. Woke up to water everywhere. Uh, Spent Mm. the day uh, trying to fix that. And I was successful. So, congrats to me. Uh, We're also joined by uh, another man who might need a little day quill. It's Mike Spears. How are you, Mike?
2: Okay. The opportunity was right there. Mace Spears. You had it right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Complete the trio. Damn. Really letting me down, and it would have been an
3: iron mace spears that would have yeah, run
2: it, run it back, do it again. Come on,
3: (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Take two. We're doing this live, this is staying in there. Give it, give it to me again.
1: We're also joined by my good friend, iron mace spears. What's up, mace?
3: (laughs) Hey, y'all, it's your old pal, iron mace spears. Uh, you know, uh, I'm glad that you're that you're you got through the hell day. I mean, home ownership is wild and insane and a lot of like random small things get you that you'd normally don't have to worry about uh but you know i'm getting there i'm on the rebound i had a pretty rough thing like i know I remember a couple weeks ago talking about like the storm that came through like the aftermath of sally and it completely killed my sciences to the extent of having like really like great like sneezing and my throat is torn up but i'm here to struggle through this with y'all as giving the show its retribution, what was the like the the really dumb tweet that like was like uh the performance center bred me or something? What was like the really bad? No, I was it, it was, was, it, was the,
2: it was the Bane monologue from Batman Three. What's it called? Batman Rising.
3: <laughs> Dark Knight. The, Rises? the Dark Knight
2: Rises. That's what yeah. it's called. Yeah, it was the Bane monologue, but about the fucking performance center. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can't. You can't kill me in a in a way that matters.
3: I mean, you you can never kill me. You could only like get me so science, uh written that <laughs> you, you can't hear from me. You
2: you can strike down iron mace spears, but you can't kill the idea of iron mace spears. That's right. That,
3: that's it. You, you can't kill the idea of your old pal. It'll, <laughs> it'll exist forever. I'll be uploaded into the internet when I die to haunt everyone forever. So, yo, I
2: was you, thinking about that last night this was really uh, yeah good frame of mind i was clearly in it's super fucked up that in the matrix there are just white collar office jobs where you have to sit there and fucking do nothing with your life right like oh, that's fucked up that's what capitalism is doomed you know the, the majority of us to anyway but like the matrix like why can't you just let people have fantasy wish fulfillment if they're just being used as batteries anyway why does neo have to be a office drone that's wow, fucked spo- up stuff. spoilers much <laughs>
3: spoilers on a 21 uh, year old movie yeah
2: the robots very inconsiderate (laughs) by the robots never saw it wow
1: yeah did you see speed racer though no i haven't seen that either
2: have you seen any wachowski sister movies
1: um hit me with some other ones
2: cloud Atlas. Uh, v for vendetta cloud atlas yeah i've
1: seen v for vendetta cloud atlas no yikes yeah gotta catch you up yeah sorry you know just wasn't did my you play?
3: Time. Did you play the Xbox original game, being the big gamer that you are? Enter the Matrix.
1: I've hardly played anything ever on Xbox. I was never really an Xbox guy, and never really had friends who were Xbox guys.
3: What about the OVA, the Animatrix?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, can't can't say that I did. My, All right, like, I've
3: run out of what sister sisters content to propose to AB.
1: My big gaming day was like Nintendo sixty four, and and like uh original playstation
3: matrix
2: good good movie worth the hype
1: well now i know what happens so probably not gonna watch it
2: (laughs) it's kind you know it's been a little bit out there in the popular culture it's become a pretty common touchstone for all sorts of things um so um i feel like you probably should have picked up on it by now
1: all right right, i'll take the red pill and watch it right there you go (laughs) Did that work? Was that good?
2: Uh, I don't remember which bill is good or bad, but that does <laughs> that does apply.
1: Okay, excellent. Uh, I feel like I had another bit here, and I've uh, but I've lost the plot. So I guess I'll just move on. Uh, if you want to see other kind of half-formed thoughts, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. Give us a five star rating. Give us a review on the Apple Podcast app. And if you would like to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash everything elite. As is customary, we will be playing Elite or Delete on this show. We'll be running down week 51, episode 51 of Dynamite that happened this week. Uh, We'll talk about the ratings. And of course, we will talk about what's coming up on the next few weeks of Dynamite, what we know so far. Uh, we'll get into all that, but we'll start off with Elite or Delete. Delete! Elite! Delete!
2: Elite! Delete! Elite! 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 Stop! Stop! Delete!
1: Delete! 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 buddy. Actually, no, I think I do have a sense of what how you thought about this show. So uh, hit me with what your favorite
2: part was. Uh, OK. I don't. I feel like I haven't tipped my hand on Ooh. my thoughts about the show generally. Uh, my favorite parts, I think, uh, I'm going to give it to the two Chris Jericho character segments on this show. You had the inner circle confrontation with the Matt Hardy private party unit, and then you also had the Chris Jericho backstage uh, advancing sort of his uh, love hate relationship with MJF. Uh, and I thought those were maybe the two strongest things on the show Um, I just thought both were pretty effective it it feels like it had been a long time since we saw even the shorthanded inner circle all together you know Santana and Ortiz had kind of been spun off to do their feud with the best friends uh, kind of separately and you know there's there's something really fun about that group together so they played it really well with uh, Chris Jericho uh, you know duping us on Sammy Guevara's return that's always fun Uh, and then the you know private party, I thought put in a pretty tough spot, I think, where they haven't gotten a lot of mic time, but they've got to kind of set up this comeback match for Isaiah Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Thought they were pretty competent there, even after uh, you know, Matt Hardy fumbled a bit on his promo. And then I just the the MJF and Chris Jericho dynamic is fun and it's been consistent where they uh see too much of themselves in each other. Uh, so they kind of like each other, but they also kind of hate each other. Uh, and it's, they do this recurring bit where they say things at the exact same time. Uh, and they played off just a little, you know, fun joke the other week of them making fun of each other on dynamite. Cause they acknowledged what was on the TV show, which is novel. So yeah, I enjoyed those two segments.
3: I, out of the segments, I thought that MJF one was much stronger for, those two just have like a very kind of funny chemistry that I think the two of them play up pretty well together. And it's one of those things that the, the one thing that I appreciate at least so far in the promotion is they are totally okay. If their heels acting like absolute geeks, like the idea that they, that like that you do Jericho is at least seen through the fans as a pretty cool person, but like whenever like the two, okay, uh,
2: so slow your roll a little bit there, Mike, I
3: don't know about a pretty cool person. I, I mean, like, he gets to sing-along. Like, he's someone
2: I, that... He's absolutely, like, an icon and legend in the business, but to call him pretty cool is kind of strong, I think.
3: Okay, uh, uh, okay. He's someone that the fans tolerate with his eccentricities.
2: Okay, that's more fair.
3: I, I, I think, like, that. that's the most blunt way of putting it out there. And him and MJ have really well together. I, I do think that first segment, like... the The whole, like, situation of private party in this promotion has been like not building them really and just like thrusting them into situations that it's either sink or swim or they cater it around them like it's not like that there's like a slow build of private party whenever a private party come out it, there's like an expectation there that I feel like that they it, it's not like that they have a matches on dynamite just so they can get ring work as two young guys in the business who need to have constant ring time to keep on improving so they're, they're constantly kind of like put into these positions that I think you I don't want to say the word exposed because that's because that's unfair because I feel like that Cassidy, like at the end of the promo, I was like, okay, this set this up pretty well. Like, I mean, the the promo itself, you could tell that both uh, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy aren't comfortable doing promos. So but like that, but I feel like that Jericho, having Jericho there really like, I don't want to say like was a crutch, but was able to be like a focus and it's something that like Jericho was pretty like helpful in a way. Like Jericho and other promotions could have just eaten up the uh, young guys, and he didn't. And I feel like that he was like the stabilizing presence, especially with someone like Matt Hardy, who's not a promo guy either.
2: Yeah, no, he Jericho did a really good sell. I think of, I think of Isaiah calling him the Champion Bitch, which is like <laughs> such a such a funny pro wrestling line because it's like, you know, in pro wrestling gets a big pop, and everyone else is like, just call him the Champion Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Jericho, Jericho sold it. I think like he was actually wounded. Um, so yeah, he definitely uh, uh, you know contributed. I
1: don't know. The thing about it is like I think the segment was pretty bad overall, like the 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 private party segment. And I agree with what you what you said, Nate. That they put private party in like a pretty tough spot. And honestly, like I think it's good that they put them in that spot. Like they had to kind of they had to feel that it wasn't going that well. And I think that's like a great way for young guys like that to get better at it, you know? So I'm glad they did it that way. I don't think it was very good, but I think it's good for the growth of private party. So I'm not against it.
2: Yeah. It's, it was kind of an expectation of things for me. I, you you know, you feel like, okay, Isaiah Cassidy goes out. He he stops Mark Quinn from promoing. He stops Matt (laughs) Hardy from (laughs) promoing and he cuts a fiery baby face promo on Chris Jericho to challenge him to a match. Also, this is the first time he's spoken on in the ring on television. That's like a pretty big ask. And I was just like, oh, you know, he's not rushing out there. He he doesn't seem like he's stumbling over his words. He just was kind of patient with it, and I was like, that's probably the smart way to do it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure he you know knew exactly what he wanted to do, but uh, but it's good to like in a performance aspect, it's good to feel that discomfort, and uh, you know, you figure things out from there. So that's good. I like it. I'm surprised by it, but you know, Nate always surprises on this show. Mike, kind of keep guessing. Mike, buddy, what was your uh, elite pick from this show?
3: I mean, this is going to be funny. Like, the things I took away from the show were all the promos, but my favorite promo, like Nate Nate touched on his favorite too. Um, My favorite promo is Brody Lee. I thought Brody Lee, after defeating Orange Cassidy, just like doing a promo, like straight up. And it's one of those things that over the last few months, I really have come around to the idea that I think Brody Lee is the biggest indictment of the 2010s in wwe because watching him before like like right before WWE, and watching him after he leaves wwe for a guy of his age he hasn't really like gotten like like old in a way that like big guys can get old he's gotten much better and he cut like this really like just passionate promo really like solid heel work in my opinion of him just kind of tearing apart cody for like reappearing here and it's like oh so so you're, you're 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 here now after all of this like well, what kind? Of, I've been here doing the work, making a comment about Cody always saying like, "Do the work like this." What kind of Manson's another man to do the work? Which I guess he's of the impression that Orange Cassie got put up to this match by Cody, which is something that I did not really sense in the lead up. But then talking about like, did you see what I did to Dust and what Anna J did to Brandy? What kind of? And then like, it's just like very much so. And then I'm talking about like the uh, the uh, the doll collar match to cover the tattoo and kind of made like a, a, a snide like uh reference to like oh yeah he's arbitrating his childhood because dusty was known for doing a uh, dog collar matches so i thought that brody and it was like only about like a minute long promo but i came away with this yet again going how did this guy well i know how this guy got wasted so much but i'm really happy they didn't completely lose his motivation and got out of wrestling because he's still i mean he might be my favorite performer in aew this year and i think it's was a really strong promo and I mean building up to what I assume is either going to be something happening at full gear which is nice they're building up something already to full gear or if they're doing something for the anniversary edition of Dynamite
1: yeah he was very good here and it's it's really something that well I mean kind of what we we're talking about with not the same level but kind of what we talked about with Isaiah Cassidy where Brody struggled I think the first couple of promos that he cut in aew but once he was able to kind of get his feet under him and and get uh, confident and comfortable, you know, he's just been excellent, and this is I, – I agree with you, Mike. It's like one of the characters that I enjoy the most on this show nowadays.
2: Yeah, it was good. Um, it's kind of some fun, cheeky inside stuff or whatever in there too that gave you some fun stuff to chew on. But yeah, I was pretty, uh, pretty happy with the Return of Cody segment here overall.
1: All right, my turn. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to surprise anyone here. It was Big Daddy Miro, baby, is my elite pick. Uh, I just thought, you know, first of all, the guy's ripped to shit. He looks great. The blonde hair looks great. And yes, this match fell apart. There's no doubt about it. But everything Miro did was what people were clamoring for. He like hit these big moves that looked pretty, uh, uh, you know, crushing every time he hit one. I mean, he did almost kill. Uh, his tag partner at one point we threw him over the, the barricade, but I thought he looked like an ass kicker here, and it made me just like more excited for the Miro run. So, Miro continues to be my elite pick of the week.
2: Uh, his leg injury was on, on television, right? That wasn't just a fight exclusive, yes, yeah, so no. it was
1: on TV, yeah, on okay,
2: TV. yeah. Um, yeah, he looked huge. Um, he was really good on Sammy Guevara's vlog this week. So I was, I was coming in on a Miro High. Uh, very funny that uh, he he went to do his Camel Clutch Steiner Recliner and Jim Ross called it, that's the accolade. And uh, X-Fly was like, no, it's the game over. <laughs> Which is very funny because he's the best gamer. Very funny to be another gamer character. Also, not the most famous game over submission finisher in pro wrestling right now. Uh, also very amusing. Um, but yeah, kind of... Hard for me to say anything about the match one way or the other because, you know, for a second there, I thought his leg was shot and, you know, the whole thing was really going to fall to pieces.
3: Yeah. And with like his, like a lot of that match, like it looked like he rolled his ankle and he was trying to do stuff while having a rolled ankle in a Kip Sabian match where Kip was not really, didn't really have much chemistry, but I felt like Miro came out of this match like as much as you could in that situation all things considered I feel like he looked I felt like he looked like a thousand but like a million dollars like blonde hair coming out having like the boxing style version of his old tights uh just ripped to all hell like just a giant slab of meat there just throwing around Joey Janela and beating up Sonny Kiss. it was tremendous and how can't you love the best Miro I mean to be the Miro is the best and Nate after like listening to your recap this Amy Guevara uh, vlog. I went back and watched it for Miro and the reaction of Sammy Guevara opening up each one of his sodas made me very, very happy. And him calling it colas. Colas, really, yeah. It really popped me.
2: Opening all his colas. I do, uh, very funny to be like, all right, Miro, it's time for your first match. It's you and Kip Sabian against Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. The, the three people you assumed you'd be programmed with when you left the WWE. <laughs> Here we go. The other thing I wanted to say about
1: the match, though, was like, I know he did kind of big heel work as rusev in wwe but he was doing lots of like interesting little stuff in this match it was just heelish like uh when he was not letting uh you know the the sunny and joey team make tags and stepping i forget who it was on but he was like stepped on them to hold them there while he tagged kip so he was just doing little stuff that i thought was like okay this guy is uh motivated he's like focused in on what he wants to do and uh he looks great doing it so i I just think, like, yes, he's in this kind of mid-card story, but you can't stop this guy from being a huge star. There's no way to stop
3: the best man. It just can't happen. And in this promotion where they've heated up people to, like, huge pushes over the last two weeks on two different things on each episode, like, it's not going to take much to, like, make Miro into someone who could have a WWE... Oh, sorry, blah, brain. I just saw something that... Maybe say WWE, but AEW world title shot.
1: All right, well, let's talk about the stuff we didn't like from the show. Uh, Nate, what would you like to delete?
2: Um, Like to delete, I guess, the failure of AEW to construct the proper bubble here for the COVID situation, I guess. Of course, I had a report coming out of this show that there was some degree of COVID outbreak uh, amongst the AEW roster. It sure seems like there's been A outbreak amongst wrestlers in general. Uh, we had a whole bunch of roster members that were not booked on the show, uh, for inclusive reasons. Uh Lance Archer uh off the show for COVID reasons. Um and yeah, just this is this was kind of inevitable. I think we said that it was inevitable when they continued to run shows and didn't do a real bubble, an NBA bubble or even a ring of honor bubble. Um they instead you know let their talent go and play shows at Sturgis um and you know we it is a good thing have to we have put the company over and it's a good thing that if you are going to have these guys as independent contractors and not give them the benefits that an employee would get then they should be genuine independent contractors and have the freedom to go and work other shows work indie shows work your GCWs work your warrior wrestlings work your Alaska shows whatever but uh you kind of have to look at that in a new light. I think when you have a global pandemic and these shows are not, uh, up to the standards of safety that your company should be. Uh, so, you know, it's great that AEW is doing some kind of test for their talent, uh, and their staff when they enter. But, uh, you know, warrior wrestling is not doing a test and warrior wrestling is having fucking meet and greets, which makes zero sense. Uh, so when you are, (laughs) uh, you know, insulating all these people, to meet a bunch of indie wrestling fans and they're all sharing the same space. And then half those people are getting on a plane and coming to your show. Uh, it's just not a, you know, it's inevitable. It's inevitable that, uh, people on your roster are going to have the virus and it's going to fuck with your booking and it's going to put people's lives at risk. It's going to put people in your company's lives at risk. You have elderly people in your company. Uh, and then, you know, again, they're traveling, they're on planes. They're just continuing to spread the virus in general. Um, So yeah, I I delete all that.
3: Yeah, and I feel like for months, my big thing is we don't even know what their protocol is. I feel like I've said that each time this has come up here. Like the only stuff we've been able to ascertain is stuff from interviews and stuff that's come out of it. And the thing that's come out over the last 24 hours about this pretty much proves like, unless you have a public protocol that says this is what we're doing here, here are the steps. And one of the steps, as Nate, as you said, like they are, For the most part, acted are treated like true independent contractors to how the delineation is. But in this time right now, like the collectives in like two weeks, the collective has Joey Janella all over it. There's other people on the roster or booked on the shows. The collective is in a larger armory fairgrounds in Indianapolis, Indiana, and this thing is like an old building. It's indoors, and how can you be all right or like have plans that it's like hey you want to go do these things that's cool we're writing you off tv for the next month like just because of they were lucky that they were able to have an audible like this to make a end of the show has week to week been pretty solid coming out of all out but you just can't rely on that like if you have people who are like this like the whole like with, with like lance archer's positive test what happened there it seems like if his story is true i'm not questioning it but it seems like i mean that's just general life in a pandemic that's only prevented by by having a bubble and it's been proven at least through north american sports so that the one way you can make sure that you don't have any sort of interruptions have a bubble and we've said that ever since the start and you know until they really like readjust it i think that this is a this will be a problem that's going to be going on. It's going to be ongoing and it will continue to go on there. And yeah, I mean, they played, this is how they played their hand and now we see the results. Yeah. I have, I have two main issues. One
1: is they clearly over the past several weeks, have had people at ringside who are not wrestlers on the shows. Those people are generally masked, but I don't know who they are.
2: I, I they may just be staff members. If you look at like a Sammy G vlog, there are like, People on Sammy G Vlog who are like, you know, staff members. And then I've recognized them in those first few rows. So you're right that we don't know for certain one way or the other. Uh, But, uh, you know, I don't think they're fans off the street would be my guess.
1: I hope not. But we don't know what kind of testing those people are getting. And then, you know, we just find out today that the only thing they've been doing is a blood prick test, which is for antibodies, which tells you if someone has previously had the the virus. It doesn't test for current infections. And that's all they've been doing. And then just this week for the first time, they did at-home nasal swabs. So I think the reason, Mike, they didn't have a public protocol is because we would have shit on it. <laughs> Everybody right, else yeah. would have shit on it. because it's As like, they should. Yeah, it's like it's not a good way to test. I mean, think about, you know, with um, with Lance Archer, so he tested negative, according to what we understand, and they, they haven't made a public statement, which of course would clear this up. But it appears that he tested negative with the at-home nasal swab and then tested positive in the antibody test, which meant he had a previous infection, which means when he was there last week, he could have been passing it around the locker room. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a concern. Uh, but yeah, those are my main two things. And I just think until they decide to uh, to bubble up, uh, there's just there's not a safe way to do it. But it also, you know, uh, makes me re-emphasize my take that it's safer from a coronavirus standpoint to go to these shows
3: than it is to be on the shows. <laughs> All right, Mike, what do you delete, Bud? I'm deleting this FTR promo. Like the the show had so many just promo stuff, which made sense considering as Nate said, how they've changed plans for this show and how things were kind of done. It just felt like, not necessarily on the fly, but like, okay, I guess now we're going to be doing this and that. And we could have Jericho and Private Party continue their thing this week versus in the future. They had FTR come out here and then talking about having championship challenges, which is something I've always kind of hated. (laughs) Like, you could have ways to have your champions in matches and just say they're non-title matches or have them in trios matches or have them in eight man tags. But then like it, it's, it, it's something that is like doing like the, okay, it's a 20 minute draw that if it goes to a draw, then we automatically get the win. Like you have to beat us or we get a check in the, the winning column. And it's just like, all right, with what's going on with like the Bucks, And it seems like that they're going to draw out the, uh, the, the Bucks, uh just losing it. Like, this is how they're filling the time with the tag team champions that drastic, that, Desperately needs to do this and then say, like, oh, we're gonna have a 20 minute match, and next week it's against SEU. Do does any of us like, hopefully, it doesn't go the full 20 minutes, other than, than that? Looks like that'd be obviously them just trying to eat up TV time. But you just like look at a match like this, it's hard for me to be enthused for a championship challenge match like this. Luckily, like, if the best friends come out there and off of winning the feud with St. Dan Ortiz, should be the team that has a claim on the title shot here and it salvage it. But just like the whole idea about doing like, Twenty-minute championship challenge matches. When you have these rankings, when you have the idea of you don't have to have title matches, just seems so unnecessary. And it's just another thing that further aggravates me about FTR.
2: Yeah, I kind of checked out for the promo itself. Um, I guess in terms of the concept, you know, their their whole thing is now that they they love the rules so much, they love tag ropes and you know tag timers and this stuff, and they. Love those things because then they use the rules to their advantage to cheat or whatever. And this is another thing of, yeah, that's right. We're going to get an advantage by way of having these specific rules. So I guess that's at least thematically appropriate. But yeah, just hard, hard to, you know, get much interest going underneath that.
1: Yeah, they suck. That's my take. Um, my delete, I almost switched this over to my elite pick, to be honest. It was a real. It was a real struggle for me. Uh, but it's going to be uh, tortured. Cody is going to be my delete pick. Uh, but it's brought me so much joy since it happened that it's hard to delete. But it's just like Cody. It's like Cody is the uh, high school student who went away for the summer and found out about Alkaline Trio. And now he's come back for for school with it with his new look. And it's just so fucking funny. I saw them like retweet something in my timeline and just looking at him again. With, like, the pocket watch and the black hair. It's just fucking amazing. Uh, but I do, I got to give Cody credit for, like, reinventing, or not really reinventing himself. We'll see what it is. But, like, doing something. It's kind of like how CM Punk used to do, like, a different hairstyle when he changed characters, you know? It's so like, at least a little something to
2: keep him fresh. But it's so fucking funny. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, that's it. <laughs> it's not not funny it is certainly funny to some (laughs) extent uh i just liked it i was like you know when he comes back he has a new hair color and people go wild and that's funny uh and i i like it for that reason uh and he has an even more elaborate entrance where they play the full (laughs) choral theme when they usually only play part of it and you get that whole thing uh which is funny (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It it, it got through it. You know, I will say they got a lot of the right reactions on this show, despite uh, what could have been missteps and the crowd who has, you know, been, I guess, quiet a lot of the time on these live dynamites since they started having a crowd there, um, you know, was, was, was quiet at points as well, which is again, kind of understandable because they're all distance and it's weird vibes and all that. But uh, you know, Cody got received like a big returning baby face and I Brody Lee got like a Brody Lee ch- sucks chant, which was like I kind of thought that he was going to get a big face reaction just from the whole Dark Order thing on BTE. I thought people were going to, you know, be cheering for the heel just because he was too entertaining. Uh, but that didn't happen. They got they got the, the crowd to follow along with them.
3: First off, AB, you're so close to getting the reference right. It's not tortured. Cody.
1: No, that, I'm not making a reference. I'm doing my own thing, Mike. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have right. to steal other people. I'm just, I, tortured is a term that we like to use in, like, the mid-2000s to describe the kids who were really into, like, oh, well, basically murder Brian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, I'm just sticking with my own, my own stuff.
3: I I mean, he's clearly right now in his Metal Gear Solid 5 phase. He has punished Cody. He's Venom Snake. And it is fantastic that, like, it's just goofy in a way that, like, is the right levels of goofy. That, like, he comes out here, the Ace elevator is gone. And now it's like a gate that flies open and he comes out. And it's just kind of just like nuts. Like, and, and like the hair color that you could tell that this was an audible that's like, oh, we need you down here. We're, we're going to start building this thing up. Now we need, we could use the number. So he got, was able to go in there and get like temp. I, I'm assuming that I was like temporary hair color. Cause you could still like see it on his scalp. And when he's had, when he's had black hair before, it's never been like that, like striking, like, like this was like full on, like, uh, uh, hex gone code for whatever, like pure black is, was his hair. It was tremendous. And then the wallet that the, uh, the The pocket watch chain is just was the thing that really was that put it over the top, especially with the uh, with the shiny loafers as well. It, it was like the right levels ridiculous, but Cody doing this. I mean, it's a good thing he's abandoned the Ace Elevator because he's no longer the Ace, especially if we're getting punished. Cody.
2: He felt he felt more like the Ace than he has in a bit to me. It was big. I was like, yeah, Cody's back. Look at those shiny ass
3: loafers. <laughs> Look at his hair. Look. That's at his- really.
2: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be sick of him in six weeks, but yeah. you know, then he's, then he's going to smarten up and he's going to be like, Hmm, gotta, gotta take a little break here. And then he's going to come back and he'll be like, Oh, it's Cody again.
1: I thought at first he was just been reading his timeline too much. And he had a chain wallet there, but uh, <laughs> no, just, I guess it turned out to be a pocket watch. Pocket watch. All right. Well, that's by, uh, that's my pick, you know, cause Cody was uh, just getting a little, a little punished. Uh, you know what you need to punish. My bookie, you can make all the money that you lost on Weedmouse's shitty pick last week. Come back this week, go to my bookie. Uh, you know what? But luckily, when you made your your pick on the Weedmouse Lock of the Week, you did your 100% deposit match. So really, it was just free money that you lost last week. So it's all good. If you haven't done that yet, if you're a new customer, you receive 100% deposit match. You put in 100 bucks, you get 100 bucks. This goes up to a thousand dollars. So that means you can be betting on uh, NFL, that's back, college football's back, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, lots of stuff going on. Uh, we do have a pick for you this week. This is the Weedmouse slash Tharos pick of the week, our good friend Tharos. They are giving us the Titans plus four uh, taking on the Vikings. This hurts me. I'm a. I don't really watch NFL anymore, but I was a Vikings fan. You were when a I Vikings fan, really? Yeah, I grew up. Uh, Warren Moon was my favorite player, and he got okay. traded to the Vikings, and I was like, "All right, I'm all in." And that was just, uh or not long. A few years after that, they got Randy Moss, and I was like, "All the fucking way in," because I love Randy sure. Moss. So yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a purple people eaters guy. Uh, so this hurts, but I want the I want the listeners to to make money. So. Titans plus four at the Vikings uh, at my bookie.
3: Okay, I, I, you know, hearing the Warren Moon part makes a lot of sense because I've been like almost everyone I know from that area is either a Colts fan or a Bengals fan, so like that's why I like yeah. going that way.
1: I like the Bengals. A lot of my friends are Bengals fans. Of course, they're awful. Uh, the Colts, I hate. So you know, could that's never fair. have been a Colts fan. But anyway, go over to my bookie. Use the promo code elite. And you'll double your first deposit up to $1,000. Uh, so it's winning season, folks, only at my bookie. All right, let's talk about the ratings a little bit. AEW basically staying in the same place they were last week, down slightly from 886,000 to 835,000. Uh, big drop in the demo from third to ninth with a 0.32 down just slightly from a 0.34. NXT was at 696 up barely from 689. Uh, but that was actually down in the demo down to uh 38th with a 0.18. There's a lot of numbers here, Mike. So I could have fucked some of that up.
3: No, but you got the point there. Yeah. Uh, this was a pretty much a bigger night sports wise and also news wise. And that really dominated the equation with everything. So As we've seen in the past, AEW fans are more likely to, you know, if there's something more relevant to their lives on, they'll take that and they'll catch up with AEW. The thing that I found pretty remarkable, and uh, we didn't get a chance really to talk about this too much, but so this week was the late night dynamite that was the make good for them moving around and being so accommodating to uh, TNT because of the NBA playoffs. It finished ninth in the night which is which when you could tell like how, like how the things are right now and how basically had the same finish, but it had to 1230 start. But this is something that probably ended up being really great for the West coast because TNT to my knowledge only has one feed. They don't sign, they don't do a simulcast or split feed where it's just like offset. So, and there's no repeats of dynamite. So this was something that was in West coast uh, prime time and they finished ninth with a uh, 0.26 demo. 585,000 viewers starting at 1230 at night. And again, with the West coast thing, the thing I found that was really remarkable was they pulled a 0.35, men, 18 to 49 on that late night dynamite. And then a 0.28 people, 25 through 54 did have a very strong lead in with the playoffs happening, but I thought that that was a pretty remarkable thing, but you you know, with AEW and NXT, but at least on Wednesday nights, this was kind of what he expected. And, even though it was a little bit of a slip for AEW. I'm looking right now at the demo splits between uh, the 26th and the 23rd. Not a huge amount of differences, I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that late-night Dynamite, I mean, it beat NXT in the demo easily, like, by a lot. Uh, pretty close in, like, total viewers coming on that late at night. It did have the playoff game, but then there's an hour-long post-game show before Dynamite started, so I thought it was pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, it seems like... The remarkable thing about this week is, oh yeah, AEW uh, will retain some of that audience and just has a big loyal audience that will follow it wherever.
3: Yeah, yeah. And we got to see inside the NBA leading up to this. And Ernie Johnson has a good bit with him, like having all the predictions and having the whiteboard it was like pulling down predictions that it was going on at the end of this. I was like, Ernie Johnson has a pretty funny little bit there. And Charles Barkley did a shout out. He seemed to be the person who was most enthused that wrestling was coming on after the NBA. From inside the NBA
2: well Shaq's gonna be on at some point that's that's a lock
3: yeah that that's a lock absolutely but yeah kind of a interesting week looking at Tuesdays but Wednesday stuff I mean kind of samey you know I mean we're about to enter a year two and you know there's just like NXT's usually just kind of chugging along where it is and AEW is either going up against basketball or going up against Monday Night Raw at this point
1: yeah well guys like uh, Ernie Johnson Shaq uh, Kenny I mean, they really fit in here because, as everyone knows, uh, a lot of the identity uh, that we have is wrapped up in our hair. You know, just thinking about three balding or bald guys on that show, Uh, you know, from how it feels getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before we go out. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s, we start noticing the first signs of hair loss and it feels like panic time. No guy's ever ready to go bald, but now there's keeps the simple and easy way to keep your hair you know this this wouldn't work for Ernie and Shaq and and Charles because it's gone for them. it's already gone mm-hmm. this is keeps is for guys who you still have hair but you're starting to notice uh that it might be getting ready to go in the hobby
0: it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now off Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, clubcom slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: Uh, two out of three guys experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. So the best way to prevent that is to do something about it while you still have hair. You can get treated from home. Uh, You used to have to go to the doctor's office, but now you just visit a doctor online. Your medication is delivered right to you. Uh, They deliver it every three months. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. No awkward doctor visits. And uh, of the two FDA-approved hair loss products out there, you might have tried them before, but never for this price. So you want to try Keeps and prevent you from losing your hair. It starts at just $10 a month. And for a limited time, you can get your first month's free. So all you got to do is go to keeps.com slash elite to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash elite. All right, let's move into talking about episode 51 of Dynamite. I guess they're going to give us the anniversary show in a few weeks, but technically next week will be the, the one year anniversary of Dynamite. So they, of course, as is befitting such uh, such a time, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian are the first people we see on the screen. They come out, and Kip says it's time for what everyone's been waiting for, the in-ring debut of the most handsome man ever, the best man, Miro. We get a great Miro entrance and a Joey inset promo where he very uncomfortably says Kip is making a mistake marrying Penelope.
2: I like the Joey inset promo. Uh, this is a better Joey energy than we've gotten uh, sometimes in this promotion. Because they just shot it. They shot it up against a, uh, you know, graded door like you're going to have, you know, in a stadium area or whatever. And they just cast some neon lights on it. And it's like, yeah, there you go. Uh, Sonny's there, uh, you know, uh, just like, I don't know, just adding to the aesthetic overall, I suppose. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, that's that's how you should be presenting Joey. Even... Even just having a grate with some lights on it is like, yes, that's like the bad boy uh, uh, Kavinsky energy there.
3: And this was like a fun use of that time that you needed to kind of like build up, like, okay, why is this happening here? Especially with the idea that you're getting Miro and Kip Sabian, you know, especially for Janelle and Kiss, they were able to kind of give their motivations of this. I like inset promos, and especially for something that seems like it's tacked onto a show. Having an inset promo did a lot to get at least their motivations across. So like That that was pretty solid. And then, you know, then the match happened.
1: And ultimately, Miro and Kip Sadian defeated Joey Janelle and Sonny Kiss. Miro submitted Sonny with the game over.
2: Is Kenta going to call out Miro, do we think?
1: He should. Oh, that'd be, that'd be a good match.
2: I'd like to see that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Miro's got the, you know, New Japan exception, so.
3: Oh,
1: that's yeah. right. We actually could
2: see Miro versus Kenta.
3: I'm now imagining Miro as the best man Miro in New Japan and just, like, how wild it is, like, showing up ice, just dripped out with, like, blonde hair.
2: Nobody in Japan would push back against the dude wearing Disney X Gucci. They'd be like, oh, yeah, here's a fucking superstar. He'd be a star immediately. (laughs) I, I, I mean, they love fashionable wrestlers, and they love Disney.
3: I mean, it goes across like this. I mean, I saw a photo of a guy in Dragon Gate yesterday who had, like, this giant supreme motorcycle jacket on had to cost at least like $3,000 dude. was looking sick as hell. Like they'd appreciate that.
1: Next up, we had Eddie Kingston come out and he is his main purpose here is to let everyone know that if they haven't been following along on social media, he and John Moxley are going to wrestle tonight for the world championship. He gets back over his story that he was never eliminated from the casino battle Royale. Plus, he deserves this after 18 years. Then he cuts this promo where it's like, man, Eddie Kingston took something that was literally ice cold, had no build for it except for a few tweets, and then made it a fucking blood feud in about five seconds. Uh, He says, he and Mox used to be cut from the same cloth, but Mox sold out and went to the world of the sports entertainers. He never did. He stayed with the fighters, the outlaws, and didn't sell his soul to the devil. He says, before I beat you, Mox, I want to look into the entertainer's eyes. Where are you, sports entertainer? Mox Music hits. They get in each other's face. They get broken up. But it's like, all right, I'm fucking fired up for this match already.
2: Yeah, almost a shame to burn this on a hot-shotted yeah. title challenge. But it was great. This was actually probably the best thing on the show, but I thought somebody else was going to say it, so I didn't pick it. Um, but just from the <laughs> beginning, him like him like directing the camera, like, do what I say. I'm the director here. That's fantastic. And then, yeah, he just cuts a a uh, truthful promo on John Moxley about how you sold your soul to the devil. And it's a great way to heat this up.
3: And it's something where this is the testament to overall, like, believing in your talent to do what they do best because you've had Kingston really have very limited time, but that his promo was two minutes and they instantly made just like an incredibly hot main event. And it has to give everyone a lot of confidence and' like yeah no we now know that we can give the ball to Eddie even though everyone else who's seen Eddie promo would been like yeah Eddie Kingston can build up a match within 90 minutes he can do that but now like it's such to a point where maybe this is something that like this this played off so well and they actually have like tangible things like no people are interested in this people wanted to see us that you know who knows what they're going to do with Eddie now and I think that makes The whole uh, unit, I guess they were going to be called the Blood Brothers. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but him, uh, Luch Bros, and Butcher and Blade. It's nice now that that we can now believe, like, oh, no, Eddie isn't just going to be like a mouthpiece for these guys. Now Eddie can be his own star as well. And I thought that that was really cool. I thought that was a really effective kind of thing that came out of this.
1: And he came out to join the commentary table, notably not dripped out whatsoever. Uh, Tony Schiavone just laughing at his his (laughs) fit as he came to join. And then we did uh hangman page defeating evil Uno with the buckshot Lariat and kind of doing a lot of the same stuff from last week where Kenny, you know, was commenting about how they're never, ever, ever getting back together.
2: Yeah. Kind of like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, Kenny, you're, you're saying you're never, ever getting back together with the dude, but you sure do make a point of coming out and watching all of his matches at the commentary desk. It doesn't really seem like your actions are uh, in, in pursuit of your goals.
3: Yeah, and it's something that like just felt exactly like this. And then Hangman had a solid match after this, but it just felt like it was just like retreading. And it w- this was the audible they called here. That's like, oh yeah, we could just do this again. I'm like, oh okay, you know, I don't. Uh, like we've reached this point in this storyline. I'm ready to see where it goes next.
1: Yeah, Hangman was interesting for like a second or two, and now it's like, well, this is boring. I don't really care about this.
2: Yeah, I mean that's just the. A- that's just the Bentley uh, roller coaster. That's Every true. Story goes on.
1: That's true. I don't like. Uh, I don't like things that uh, you don't. You don't.
2: You don't like one week of uh, of treading water or no. Yeah,
1: I don't like stalling out at all.
2: Yeah. All right. Next no, up, you, you need you need to milk stuff a little bit.
1: See, I don't. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm
2: not saying this was particular. This was not well milked. I've seen. <laughs> I've seen better milked cows in my day. Sure. But I'm not, you know, uh, totally opposed to just treading water for a week when necessary. I'm a Mike
1: Spears guy. I need my beats. I need need another beat in the story. But I just wasn't so lucky here.
3: You just have to keep things moving, but keep things moving in a way that this wasn't like milk. This was like cottage cheese, you know? Oh, wow. Really pulled it together there. I, I forgot where this was. I was gonna make a reference. I Jr. made a line sometime on the show talking about like weights and saying like this, like he's been to stock shows and that's probably not his real. Oh, it was about Brody Lee when he said that. And it was like the best Jr. line that he's had in a couple months that cracked me up because he was right about that.
1: Tony Shavani was outside the Young Bucks dressing room. He says they wanted to talk to him. Uh, Matt Jackson opens the door. Tony flinches, and he says, "Well, you, you scared? You know, you worried I'm gonna." Uh, we're gonna kick you," it says. People at home have been noticing that the Bucks have been acting strange. Matt admits they've been out of line. Says they never should have kicked Marvez or Posey, uh, but they think people will see they've lost a lot. They've lost title opportunities, relationships with friends. But they're gonna do better. Tony tries to ask him some, some questions about FTR that he refuses to answer. He gets mad. He asks Tony for his phone. He smashes it up against the door frame, and then tries to apologize for that and goes to put money in Tony's breast pocket. But Tony has not cut the pocket of his, of his coat. Um, he also not cut the vent uh, of his blazer. Just very sad for Tony here. Uh, but Matt just throws money at him instead.
3: T- Tony's not someone who wears blazers other than on TV. That's like uh, probably been, true. Yeah. I mean, if this was a Tommy Bahama shirt, he would know what to do with it, not with a, <laughs> a W embroidered blazer.
1: All right, friends, everybody listening, you get a new blazer or a suit, you got a breast pocket. You want to get a little scissor, cut that one of your back pockets is probably going to be at least one is going to be sewn shut. Give that a cut. The vent in your the back of your jacket is going to need a cut. Uh, Yeah. So do all those things or you're going to be embarrassed in public.
3: It's because they have those tied up because of when you get them tailored, like you want to have it lay flat if it needs to be tailored. Right. That's right, baby. I I mean, this is what I get for looking at menswear blogs in the early 2010s.
2: (laughs) Same. (laughs) Big same. (laughs) Not guilty.
1: (laughs) Uh, Next up, the TNT Championship. Brody Lee defeated Orange Cassidy uh, with a big old Lariat. That's right. Two matches in a row that ended with Lariats. Uh, After the match, well, this is when Cody came out. So we can just talk about the match. Uh, Weird. The whole Orange Cassidy thing is weird to me. It's like. They just kind of, they built, they spent all this time and care building him up with Chris Jericho, having him get two wins over Chris Jericho. And now it seems like they just don't really know what to do with him. And so he just kind of got hot shotted into this uh, Brody Lee title match. When to me, this is a, could have been a money match or a pay-per-view match. And instead it's just kind of thrown together. He loses pretty easily and uh, it's just kind of a bummer.
2: Yeah. I thought it was weird that they booked it. I was like, oh, that's where are they going to go with that? Um, but in execution, I thought it was all right. You know, you had the Dark Order guys out there up to hijinks John Silver and shit. So, you know, but it, it, it's hard. I don't I don't really know what you do with him because you spent a lot of time on him in, investing in him because he was a guy who had potential for upward trajectory in the company. Uh, but are you going to make him a champion? I don't think you're there yet if you're going to do it. I don't think you're going to make him a world champion at any point. So it's... Uh, You got to find a a, a way to have him percolate.
3: I guess, like, the only way they could do this is, like, okay, he definitively won his feud against Chris Jericho. I don't look at the rankings anymore other than when they show up on TV. I've gotten too mad at them for me to look at them anymore. So I guess they're like, okay, he's justified here. And the idea that this was supposed to further cement Brody's position, like, that's why you're doing this, is you're immediately, like, using the push you did to... Orange Cassidy in a way that could benefit for Brody and I, that makes sense there because yeah Orange Cassidy should probably never be a world champion of any promotion probably can be a TV slash TNT champion pretty easily and you're able to do that but not at the expense of really. So like I understand where they might be coming from on like, okay this makes sense for this and then you you in a way you mitigate all the good work you've done with Orange Cassidy because it's going to immediately be overshadowed by Cody coming out post match
1: I mean, this might be like a good spot for Orange Cassidy generally of like, okay, he's a legitimate title challenger, but probably not a champion. But at the same time, you used Chris Jericho to to make him into a guy. So it seems like that might have been wasted. You probably could have gotten him to this level otherwise. uh, Although I guess I'm counter arguing myself of, well, with a comedy wrestler like Orange Cassidy, maybe it takes him getting a win over someone like Chris Jericho to even be acceptable at this level. So all right, I'm willing to let this one play out now that I've argued with myself on all all sides of this. Uh, yeah, Dasha, Dasha, it's Dasha, is backstage. Uh, but Anna J steals the mic, gives it to Brody, and we've talked uh, at length about this promo, except for Brody saying, what kind of man lets his wife post thirst traps on Insta while calling me daddy? And then he just like paused, and that just hung there. <laughs> uh, pretty funny. Uh, Next up was the the Matt Hardy private party, Chris Jericho segment that we talked about. Uh, (laughs) I made a slapjack note in this, but we've already talked about it. Uh, The FTR thing was next, which we've also discussed. Uh, The funny thing about this was that Dax apparently really badly wanted to say the phrase backyard comedic wrestling. And so... He said it was a glorified backyard wrestling match, but then Best Friends music hits, and you just hear Dax yell, backyard comedic wrestling over the mic. Like, I, I got to get that line out.
2: Yeah, right. that was good. Uh, that, that felt like good, like he really needed to get that shot in. I will say, when Best Friends came out here, they felt like bigger stars this week. Yeah. To me, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, felt- oh yeah, Best Friends. Hell yeah, here we go. And I think they this promotion does not do a lot of, we're booking this match on the fly shit, Like that that's every episode of, of raw is every match is booked on the fly based on whatever angle or skit would play it out earlier. They don't do that here. So the idea of them, like hot shotting, it was like pretty interesting to me and felt like pretty hot. And then they didn't give it to us. They're waiting to give it to us. Uh, and I thought that was kind of the right decision too. like, yeah, make us wait for it. Cause now I've got some hunger to see best friends rack up some wins here. So I, that that part of this was, uh, I think, a success to me. Maybe the the putting the highlight on best friends here.
3: Did you all think that best friends and it's something that kind of struck me as we're just talking about this? Do you all think that best friends felt like a bigger deal than FTR doing their promo in the ring? Like they feel like that they are like the higher like tiered tag team now because like that's definitely like thinking about it. Even though Chuck called him a weenie, which was funny, and it's not something that you think top guys would say that's friends feel like a bigger deal right now, especially coming out of that match than FDR ever has in this promotion.
2: Yeah. It's hard to, hard to really be objective about it because just have a lot of, a uh, lot of equity in best friends over the last few years. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. But I, I think so. I think yeah. I was just excited to see him. I was like, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I agree that it's hard to be unbiased, but trying to be as objective as possible, like, Best friends just got this huge, huge win in a main event in like a uh, really intense match. And frankly, FTR like hasn't had a big win. In
2: have, the they had a, have they had a main event yet? I don't think so. I feel like they're always, uh, you know, show opening. Yeah. Big work, great tag match. Yeah. Right. I mean,
1: they, you know, they got the title shot winning that gauntlet. So, you know, they didn't really have to do too much in that match. Mm-hmm. And then the, the tag title match was kind of a letdown. So yeah. I don't know if they've had as big of a spot as Best Friends had with Santana and Ortiz. So I, I think it's reasonable to be more excited about Best Friends at this point. But that's what yeah. makes for a good title match, right? So
3: I'm that works. I mean, that's that's what what one would hope. I mean, I'm, I'm right now looking at this to see if they have been in that position. And they've not been in, other than FTR, FTR has not been in a. Not there, not there, not there, not there, not there, not not there. They have not been in a main event that I can see. They've been in the opener, the semi main event. No, FTR has not been in a main event. Yeah, you know, so that that wild. makes sense.
1: But like, assuming that they're gonna beat best friends, like it's actually very helpful. I mean, you would like FTR to feel like a bigger deal. But right. it's very helpful to have built best friends to feel like a big deal. So when FTR beats them, that should help out FTR, but we'll see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. But it, it doesn't, they just teased on BTE the, hey, the Young Bucks and FTR revival match that was so anticipated however many years ago. They referenced that, but it just doesn't feel, and, and, and FTR keeps like taunting the Bucks for their, you know, uh, their fines and shit. It just doesn't feel like we're going in that direction at this time. Right. doesn't, I'm not sure where the bucks are going.
1: No. And it's, they should definitely hold it off anyway. I mean, that should be like, if they can make FTR feel like a big deal in this promotion, then that Mm -hmm. should be a massive match at, uh, you know, double or nothing next time. Maybe.
3: Yeah. And if anything, I think like at full gear, like you, they still have a month and a half before full gear. And we know they're gonna have a title defense there they could have the uh, best friend style defense before full gear and then transition to bucks versus FDR. They could still do that and won't feel out of place.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see where the bucks are going, I guess. Like, is this heel turn thing actually happening or, you know, what are they going to do with that? So we'll see. But yeah, I agree that it just, at this point, it doesn't feel like uh, that's what we're getting soon. So we'll see. Uh, Next up, you know, the, the match everyone around the world was waiting for. Ikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa defeated Ivalice and Diamante. Shida pinned Diamante with a running knee. I thought I thought that Excalibur named it this week, but it was a Japanese word. And I, despite all my studies, I could not uh, exactly figure out what he said. I'm disappointed in you. I know. I that, that... I'm disappointed in myself. So thanks, Mike.
3: <laughs> I I thought I was gonna come on here because I heard him say it. I didn't have enough chance to write down. I was gonna, go, hey Aaron, what was the move? But apparently, you're not to the knowing random moves part of Japanese studies.
2: As long no. as your tutor isn't disappointed in you, that's what really counts. She would never
1: be disappointed in me. Uh, she's always gassing me up for my language skills. Uh,
3: just all you could hope for in a
1: in a language uh, teacher,
3: for sure. Oh. Well, I'm glad about that. What I would, however, what I was sad about was this match kind of happened like this match, I felt like was there and it was kind of awkward. It wasn't interesting. It was just there
1: it was fine. It was just I don't know. It was like we're kind of watching for something to happen, right? Like between uh, especially between Rosa and Evalise, and like nothing of note happened between the two of them. So it' was just like, well, okay, fine. It was fine. Uh, I will say about, speaking of my uh, my Japanese tutor, uh, she asked me at one point, like, oh, what would you do this weekend? Oh, you know, I have a podcast. I was doing a podcast. She was, like, very excited about this. She's like, can I listen to it? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no.
3: <laughs> I, I'm trying to think what of your content that would be the one that out of our content. Like, actually, uh, jumping on bomb audio might be the, the entry point
1: yeah I, I mean it's at least about you know a japanese uh promotion i try i was like look my podcast about american wrestling she's like oh i probably wouldn't know what you were talking about then i was like that's exactly right no reason to listen <sighs> so uh hopefully she never finds this podcast but we'll find we'll see i'll show up one day she'll be like i listened to your podcast fuck
2: you talked about me for like 10 minutes <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah this would be really awkward now i just hope it's not this week uh, yeah. And then of course the, uh, Chris Jericho and MJF thing happened that we discussed. And then we had the main event for the eight EW title, John Moxley, the champion retaining, defeating Eddie Kingston. Eddie passed out in a bulldog choke. Um, after the match, the Lucha Bros came out and attacked Mox. Will Hobbs, big willpower made the save. Uh, Lucha Bros got the advantage, but Darby came out to help. Then Ricky Starks came out and speared Darby, and then we basically have Eddie, the Lucha Bros, and Team Taz uh, beating everybody down for what felt like a very long time
2: as the show ends. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like the match. Uh, uh, I think what I enjoyed most about the match was um, just they, just Eddie laying into John Moxley with chops was like maybe the best part of the match to me. Um, and I want to pull this up because it just occurred to me to give him credit for it. I think, uh, yeah, Grant Akuma tweeted about it, uh, and, and pointed out that you just wouldn't see that stuff on American televised pro wrestling for a lot of time. Like, whenever there'd be strike exchanges, you'd have all these jump cuts all over the place, and they didn't do it here. They just, like Eddie said, they hung on the hard cam and they just let you appreciate the impact of all those strikes and those chops in particular that Eddie was given. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the novelty of that. Uh, I didn't enjoy the novelty of whenever Excalibur makes a reference that JR doesn't understand. He thinks it's so fucking fascinating to repeat it. Uh, Excalibur's like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, obviously Eddie, you know, big four pillars guy, Kawada guy, you know. So Excalibur shouts out Masawa Kawada and JR is like, oh, what, what the fuck is that? It's, I can't even, I wouldn't defense there. Uh, he, <laughs> he's just so stunned by the idea of somebody saying two Japanese names. It's like, unbelievable to him um and then yeah the highlight of after the match was we finally got what i'm fiending to see uh which is penta and phoenix going after moxley and i just want to see those guys in some configuration so having them beat down moxley was like yes here we go this is my shit
3: it, it's something where i feel like now that like we can like look back at the match the uh, bulldog choke submission was very abrupt and I feel like that they had to get through to this beat down this beat down, then went on a little bit too long, like how you're saying, AB. I thought like, that was kind of interesting. You, you know, I, I've seen a lot of kind of... Uh, I, I, I've seen people of a lot of different minds about this match. I, I thought, like, I was really enjoying, like, them just deciding to hit the crap out of each other. Like, that's a good time to me. Whenever I, I see someone's, like, chest start getting red from getting chopped a lot, I know that they're putting the effort into that, and I thought that was pretty cool. But really, like... The big thing to me was in this post-match beatdown, how much of an absolute star Ricky Starks came off as coming in last in this beatdown, hitting the spear, doing the pose, ripping off his T-shirt. And I thought like, hey, this company has an ability to hotshot people. And that was like my big takeaway from like this last part of the match or the show.
2: I I also wanted to shout out all the backdrop drivers because Eddie did like three of them in a row. I mean, really you know the money match between these guys is you know some sort of hardcore no dq match right like that's i think how you do a really big sort of blow off between them and may you know who knows if we ever see it um but i i think probably they didn't want to do it because they just did it with Cody and Eddie so it's like well we can't go right back to that so uh but that would be fun I remember when Joey and Kenny had a uh, lights out match on dark and we were like what the fuck is happening here anyway yeah, that's yes. a throwback
3: I, I remember that match. That match was interminably long. Yes.
2: Dark, man. It's really
1: gone through some phases in this <laughs> in this year. It went from like big matches like that to some weeks, it would be 15 minutes. And now it's like 11 <laughs> matches featuring a bunch of guys from random Georgia Indies. You've never heard of.
3: And, and we're probably going to have another transition of dark. So
1: yes, the uh, it's basically, it's just a COVID incubator. Now <laughs> dark.
3: I mean, <laughs> that is,
2: you're right. That is dark yeah
1: that <laughs> is uh aw bleak is what they're gonna have to start calling it <laughs> soon uh yeah ricky starks man they just he's a huge star right like it's just one of those guys who kind of came i think it's safe to say pretty much came out of nowhere and uh very quickly established himself as a guy and uh, i think they've really got somebody in ricky starks
3: Yeah, they should have him on commentary all the time because oh, he was so good. The best part of commentary and uh, Galazzo Dan on Twitter posted a lot of clips was him and him and Tash just interacting, like the two of them just talking about how they would how their second business now is doing a drive in theater but shooting movies and throwing it onto the back of Brian Cage, you know, just tremendous stuff. Did a spear, so he did a he did like that spear wearing slip on loafers, just like he has like he just rules like Ricky Starks is other than like Brody Lee, Ricky Starks is one of my favorite people in the promotion right now. And it's just such a delight to see him. Like, I'm not even going to say this, but like get the opportunity and do the best with it. It has been very easy for me to fall into WWE brain and say something else, but he found an opportunity and he made the best of it. He did
1: good for him. Uh, if you've been enjoying the last year or so of us talking about this show, you can support the show further by going over to patreon.com slash everything elite we offer basically one or two bonus shows a week every week so hop on over there five bucks gets you all the audio we do and our entire back catalog of audio tons of audio for you uh this week nate did a recap of the first two nights of the g1 how are you enjoying the g1 nate
2: um i watched those two shows uh and then i had the third show on while i was playing hades so uh the japanese commentary was very exciting (laughs)
1: Excellent. Uh, We also every week do light where Mike and I preview dynamite review dark and Nate reviews the vlogs. And uh, yeah, usually an extra bonus show each week. Uh, We've got a good one coming up next week that you will see. Usually we post them on Monday. Uh, Also, we have a discord. If you join, you can come chat with us in the discord. Mike and I are in there chatting during dark and dynamite. And then just generally. And also this month, if you want to go back, I did. Daily audio for the entire Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. Yay to me! I did the whole thing. I started it and I finished it.
3: That's right. What was it? Your Dodecaology of the Five Star Grand Prix. Yeah. fifteen episodes. Proud of you. Twelve. Proud well,
1: you. twelve episodes. I Good think. work, AB. Yeah, but I, I covered. That's well,
3: Right, Dodecaology.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, whatever that is.
3: You're um, a lawyer, and you don't know like Greek terms. I thought like didn't, like,
1: didn't you, did. you say fifteen, Mike? I thought you said. I thought I, you said something with a teen, and I was like, no, it's 12.
3: I said dodeca, and then I said 13. I did say multiple things. I'm trying to hit okay. regions, so at least one right. way. Then, you oh, definitely
2: that. said multiple numbers for oh, sure. no, I did.
3: I, I, I did. Respect that. I was hoping to get away with that, Nate. I, I, I was, I was no. saying that.
2: I made a fact it, check, man.
3: <laughs> well, well, I first said Dodecology, and I might be wrong about the Greek word there. I'm checking right now to make sure that I was okay. correct about this. Well,
1: well, I covered literally every match of Stardom's five star Grand Prix. So, uh, go check that out. It was a lot of fun. And we, we do kind of extra stuff from time to time, too. So patreon.com slash everything elite. It's a fun place. Uh, next week on Dynamite, here's what we know so far. Chris Jericho versus Isaiah Cassidy. What a weird match, right? Like, I know people say this all the time now, but you go back, you know, a few years, and you're like, Chris Jericho versus Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, FTR versus SCU. Ricky Starks versus Dar- Darby Allen, John Moxley will be appearing. Man, the Ricky Starks Darby thing pisses me off. It's like <laughs> you know, yes, AEW does hotshot stuff. Here it is. Like they are giving away something. This should be a big pay-per-view match. It just bums me out.
2: I mean, maybe it's like the best friends and uh, Santana Ortiz thing where this is going to be another another build match. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that didn't end up taking away from the although I mean the match they gave away on TV, right? The the big blow off to that feud.
2: Yes, but at least it was a main event and it felt special.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the thing about this is that Ricky Starks and Darby Allen can be a big match down the road. So you're right,
2: know. hey, it could be. You know, we could have another career rival for Darby here. You, you get Ricky Starks into the Darby and Sammy mix, like that's a fun, fun trio to watch going forward.
3: I, I mean, the, the the new four holy pillars could be. Uh... Uh, Ricky Stark, Starby Allen, and JF and Jungle Boy. I mean, that, that's all we could be talking about in this is like these were the four people that like you did these matches when they were doing on the come up and then when you go look at Double or Nothing 8 or 9, you know, like then you get it like have like this nice like DVD comp set in a way.
1: Uh, They told us that on October 7. So what's next week? The That makes next week the last day of September, the 31st yeah. or the 30, 31 days half September. Is that right? Sure. So then, on the seventh, they're doing the 30 years of Jericho anniversary celebration. Uh, they didn't announce any matches or anything. We'll see how that goes. And then on the 14th, uh, the AW Men's World Title, John Moxley taking on Lance Archer. So Archer is one of the guys who tested positive for COVID. So we lost that big six man. Uh, but we're still getting this match in a few weeks. What
3: three three dynamites from now? Yeah, the next set of tapings. Uh, it was kind of announced by Sean Rossap that they didn't. The next episode will be taped, so all the people who were off this week's show will not be on next week's show. It's going to be taped tomorrow, so he'll be back for the next set of tapings. I'm wondering though, with like that would be the second match of that tapings. Looking at the calendar, because this week was live. Next week, which is the first, it's not the 31st. Bentley, there's no 31st. Is then how is different.
1: the next show on the seventh?
3: I don't know.
2: Uh, no, the thirtieth. The shows are on, are not. Uh, was not today. The show was yesterday. Yeah, oh, that, okay. that's, right.
3: <laughs> that's that's right. That's where me. I'm I, up. I, Well, it's also on me too. Uh, by the way, I was right about dodeca. That is twelve. Nice. So good for me. You
2: were you were kind of right. Because you did, you did say thirteen. I, right I was after.
3: right first, and then I erased it. Uh, I like the smudge line you, on the standardized. You voted for and... it before you voted against it. I see. It, it, exactly.
2: It's a yes. it's a baker's dodecology.
1: dodecology. So I, Nate, I'm sorry for for interrupting that joke because it was very good.
2: Yeah, no, you blew it. It's fine. Yeah, I was trying to bring
1: back some 2004 presidential politics. Yeah, really,
2: computer. really <laughs> <laughs> juicy stuff. There, I was really excited. <laughs> Swift (laughs) boat veterans for truth. Everybody's craving the references.
1: They are. Oh, man. Woo. Okay. So that's uh, what's going to be going on on Dynamite for the next several weeks. We'll be here to talk about it. Is there anything else
2: uh, that we didn't discuss, gentlemen?
3: I mean, I got nothing.
2: (laughs) Okay. No. Uh, It is neat that they're doing a Jericho 30th anniversary thing. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's nice to have little things like that. You know, New Japan always does guys to have a special anniversary match or event, and that'd be a nice thing for American wrestling to have, because we've never had that. So who that'd be well, cool. Who are some people you
1: could that could show up on the 30th anniversary celebration?
2: Well, I, I would have liked to see the Thrill Seekers versus the Young Bucks for this match, but I I don't think Lance Storm can work in the US at the moment. No, that, that's why he, country. So
3: that's why he thinks he left WWE is because he was not gonna cross back over the border.
2: Yeah. So um yeah, Dean Dean needs to defend his DDT Iron Man Heavy Metalweight Championship. Uh, on Sammy G vlog, it was suggested that he was politicking and made of uh left Jacksonville with the strap to avoid <laughs> dropping it. So uh maybe Jericho can legend. win the bell from him on uh, on that show.
3: I, I mean the one person that he has like a really cool history that having someone like Escalber there to talk about and I think that also tony Schiavone is aware of but there's no way he can get the country is ha- getting jericho versus ultimo dragon would be the one that would be really cool because that was those were the matches that put jericho on the map and pro wrestling war or wrestle and romance if you want to use the older name of it so i feel like that that would be a cool thing like i'm going to be real interested what they try to do about this like could you get away with like having uh having uh tracy smothers on tv
2: I mean, what it, what it's really probably going to be is, like, his championship celebration where he had, like, his dad in a box. That's probably what it's yeah.
3: going to be. Yeah. I mean, but, it's going to be a giant set piece promo. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: unfortunately, like, almost all the guys he had big moments with are in
1: WWE or are, like, closely affiliated with WWE. I mean, Steve Austin is not going to show up on AEW. I'd be yet. shocked. I mean, that, that'd be excellent if he did.
2: I mean, he, if he was smart, if The Rock had smarter management, he'd stop showing up on WWE. He's hurting the brand. That's true. Um, So maybe Rock should send in a video.
3: Rock should send in a video. Ultimo should be like all decked out. Ultimo is a very handsome man, like sitting, standing in like his Guy Bear shirt, smoking a cigar, spinning around and and dresses him and says, I remember the, the match we had 25 years ago, Chris. I feel like that would roll. I just want Ultimo Dragon back. I miss Ultimo Dragon on US TV. I'll be yeah, satisfied
2: I'm- if we get a uh, 30 years this business shirt from, from
3: Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's perfect because he, he teamed with Ghetto and Giotto and Nujib G- and, and War. Lando, like, that That's right. Lindo. Yeah, they were a team that were no respect.
1: Yeah. Wait, was it? Jado's was also 30 years this business, right? Yeah. 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 That's fucked up that both of them have been in wrestling the same amount of time. I mean, Jado is well,
3: like... Well,
2: jado has got like a year or two on him now. Yeah. Sure, but Giotto is like worthless at
1: this
3: oh, point. Oh, oh, hey. oh, yeah, no. Oh, not, how, how dare you. How no, dare he, you?
2: He, he should not be in the ring whatsoever. Uh <laughs> yeah. it's it's often scary to watch him wrestle. Uh but yeah, no. It, it, I mean, Chris Jericho's ability to perform at this level is like a marvel for sure.
3: No. It really I've,
1: is. I don't I'm I've, not
2: sure that's talked about enough, honestly.
3: Yeah, no. I guess I, we just
1: talked about it on this podcast.
3: Well, I mean, he did have the time that he was he him and Sam Punk had the uh or they had like the greatest of all time thing. Like there was the thing about him talking about him being best in the world and him being the greatest of all time. Like he's talked about it before. It's just WWE brain. You completely forget about it. He was war international junior heavyweight tag team champion with ghetto. Well,
2: I, I think Aaron was talking just more about his longevity and his current age. Um, sure. Sure. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, you compare uh, Jericho is like six years old than Tanahashi or something. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's like, pretty wild because you know they went they just had a match and it was like oh yeah these guys are i mean tanahashi is maybe a little more capable or a a bit more capable i mean he can still do his high fly flow to the outside which is a pretty crazy spot that jericho's not doing but sure you know he didn't he didn't outclass jericho by any means so
3: yeah gato and lionheart were the first ever uh international junior heavyweight tag team champions lance storm jushin thunder liger el samurai Masaki Mochizuki, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Shinjiro Otani. Uh, I'm just listing off names right now. I apologize. <laughs> uh, uh, Masato Yoshino Naruki Doi, uh Tiger Mask 5 who is Taikawa, and Kazuhiko Nakajima are all former champions of a lineage that was started by Chris Jericho and Gato.
1: Wow. I mean, I guess people do talk a lot about like kind of like at his age, he's he's good, but like you think about somebody wrestling for
2: thirty years and what that does to somebody's body. And yeah, a lot of those years in WWE on crazy schedules. Yeah. It's really insane
1: that he can still work at the level he does. And also, like, you know the guy has made a ton of money. It's why does he do this? A. B. I mean, <laughs> why does he go play fucking Sturgis South Dakota with Fozzie? The guy does does not want for money. I'm I'm confident
2: no yeah no he
1: he wants for attention obviously i mean i understand that right i guess uh, and he still
2: has a weird you know has a different brain than us for sure yeah
1: all right well that'll be fun to see what what comes out of the jericho 30-year anniversary celebration we'll be back to talk about it of course
2: i do think tony yeah if uh if jericho could win the ddt heavy metalweight title from Dean Malenko on that oh, show, Oh man, I think that's great. And then he can ironically be like, "Yeah, see, I'm still the champion and carry it around and pretend oh, that's that it's so fine. good. We, Cause we he's been calling himself the champion despite not having the title for weeks at this point. Yes. Or we months.
1: have to, we have to get uh, somebody we know to send a DM to somebody they send DMs to mm. to try to make this happen. I don't want to out anybody here, but I just want this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well uh for updates on that specific topic, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everythingAEW. I'm at Aaron like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at FujiHeya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Check out patreon.com/slash everything elite. Thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Sticking with us. Uh for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll be back next week. Bye.